The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to our guest. Julia Wong is with us. Julia is uh, executive director and global market strategist at J.P. Morgan Private Bank. She joins us from our studios in Hong Kong. Julia, it's always a pleasure to benefit from your perspective. You're so smart on these markets. And I want to begin with uh, what's going on with uh, U.S. interest rates, Fed policy. Uh, We saw a move lower today across the Treasury curve. And I'm wondering how much of that is tied to the expectation that we've hit peak inflation and that it's going to begin decelerating at a pretty healthy clip. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Um, So I think that um, we are uh, starting to see uh, a more balanced picture between uh, growth and inflation emerging uh, in many parts of the world. Uh, We see that uh, leading to uh, some of more more dovish tone from the ECB uh, and and Bank of Canada and before that the, uh, the RBA as well. Um, so I think that that is the backdrop uh, that may have led to some hope for a, uh, a more balanced tone from the Fed as well. Uh, we do think that um, that is warranted, but we feel that um, you know the, the, the inflation picture really is still uh, inflation is still really too hot at the moment. Um, so for us to get to a point where there is uh, really an easing signal from the Fed, I think we're still a very long way off. So we will be very wary of I think uh, chasing this uh, this hopeful. Uh, a, a tone in the market uh, for too much. So going forward, uh, 75 basis points in November seems to be pretty much a lock for the Fed. But if any pivot's still some time off, why, might we see a, a few more supersized hikes? We definitely think that um, like you need to bear in mind that the backdrop uh, for markets right now, it's still an inflation trading regime. Uh, and inflation is too high and labor market aids is too tight. Uh, employment rate is 3.5% multi-decade low. And for us to get to a point where that's consistent with the Fed's long-term inflation target, um, it's going to take us a a decent 12 months or even longer. So uh, I do think that the near-term risk is for uh, inflation to to be a little hotter than market expects. And Mm. uh, the Fed having maybe to raise uh, beyond 4.5 to 4.75 range, and but more importantly, staying there until uh, we see a substantial uh, improvement in the inflation trajectory. Yeah, Bloomberg Economics, I think, is looking for a terminal rate at 5%. I think a lot of that has already been discounted by the market. And I'm wondering now whether or not that means that the dollar will remain strong for, for a period of time. Is that the way you see it? Um, yeah, I, th- I think that um, you know five percent is is high. Uh, we don't know if that's high enough. Um, and I think that the other lack to that is just how how long the Fed stays restricted with monetary policy. 
Uh, and bring that to the dollar, it does mean that if you combine the growth and interest rate backdrop of the dollar vis-a-vis other currencies, be it uh, G10 or emerging market, it's very hard to paint a picture of an immediate dollar reversal. And actually, if, if you think about uh, dollar versus uh, global growth backdrop, it's actually printing, we think, uh, pretty fair. So historically, we only have such a modest overshoot of dollar valuation. It's Historically, you don't see an immediate reversal in the year after. So we think that most likely dollar stays strong um, for next year. China, the People's Congress is over. Xi Jinping's got the third term, as we expected. But of course, there's no real economic reformist um, in his his circle, which did somewhat spook markets. Has your investing thesis around China changed after the People's Congress? Um, Well, to be honest, not so much because um, I think the Party Congress really reaffirmed some of the longer-term goals that have gradually crystallized over the last couple of years. Um, They will invest very heavily in innovation to try to close the technological gap as much as possible, uh, transform uh, the economy in terms of energy sources uh, towards greener sources of energy. Uh, And beyond those two uh, most pressing uh, 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 agenda, um, try to redistribute income towards uh, the the poor families and uh, inland provinces, so in terms of regional development. So all of these are fairly long-term goals that I think we've, we've, we've been quite grown quite familiar with over the last couple of years. I think, um, you know, relative to markets uh, where uh, where we are versus in, in terms of thinking for next year is that um, we don't really expect, um, because of these long-term goals, we don't expect a, a lot of policy easing. We don't expect a U-turn around the housing market. And probably, I think, um, that's still uh, entertained, I think, by, by, by a fair chunk of market participants. So I think that that may be a gap uh, you know, in terms of differences of where we are versus the market right now. So how are you waiting a move by the Biden administration to halt some of the technological progress in China by withholding certain technology where semiconductors are concerned. And Brian and I were talking before the program, and he was pointing out that maybe there's a risk of certain pharmaceutical or biotech technology being withheld as well. I mean, do moves like this on the part of the U.S. really have the potential to hold back economic activity in China to a great degree? Um, I think it certainly uh, makes the policy trade-off tougher for 2023 in a sense that um, obviously resources and policy resources are finite. So you have to kind of prioritize. Um, And I think that the party Congress affirmed to us that the priorities really are with regards to green innovation, uh, green, uh, green transition and with regard to innovation. So these priorities are very clear. Uh, and that leaves, I think, less resources and policy room with regard to, um, you know, uh, uh, things like the housing market. So I think, um, you know, what's happening with with the technological um, uh, competition really, I think, it's another um, move that probably affirms or highlights just how priorities have, have are shifting uh, in China. Um, so I think that. It, it does make the policy trade-off much tougher uh, for the economy and probably for financial markets as well. I want to talk a little about Japan before we let you go. Uh, it is, of course, a, a big decision day for the Bank of Japan today, but we've got the hottest Tokyo CPI that we've seen since 1989, nearly half a billion US dollars in stimulus coming down the pipe from the government as well. Is a policy shift inevitable at some point from the BOJ? When do you think we're going to see it? 
Mm, I, I don't think it's inevitable, actually. I mean, if you look at the underlying uh, economy of Japan, um, it's not really in the same place as the U.S. In fact, no, no other economy is in the same place. Japanese GDP is not back to pre-COVID level yet. So I think that um, the effectiveness of, of tightening monetary policy when the underlying economic environment does not warrant it, I think it's, it's, it's kind of questionable. So we don't really think um, they're, from an economic fundamental perspective, in a position to, to tighten policy. What about uh, the yen and how weak it's been? I mean, we've seen intervention maybe uh, on at least two uh, separate occasions, and I'm wondering whether here in the near term, at any rate, that we have seen uh, an end to, to yen weakness. So uh, the way we look at, uh, you know, fair value for the yen uh, is really coming from the interest rate differential uh, uh, model or framework. And on that framework, 150 is actually quite fair, given where interest rate differentials are between the U.S. and Japan. And if we, of course, see further upside risk to U.S. yields, then um, that differential gets larger. So there is very little standing in the way at the moment, I think, for further yen uh, depreciation. All right, Julia Wang, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Julia Wang is Executive Director and Global Market Strategist at J.P. Morgan Private Bank. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.